Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning to the Shoreline Church of Christ. My name is uh, Gio Garces, and if you're joining us for the first time, we've been doing a series on the book of Jonah. Uh, many of you, whether you're currently going to church or not, have probably heard about Jonah and that he was swallowed by, in our storybooks, a whale, but in fact, it was actually a fish. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just go over a little overview of what we've covered so far, just to kind of kind of catch you up. Am I creating that little noise? I hope not. Um, in the book of Jonah, you know, these are some of the dates that we have uh, for, the, for the account, the, the narrative of the life of Jonah, and it's really a story about Jonah's relationship with God and uh, all the challenges uh, that come with having a relationship with God because in so many ways, we want to do God's way or God's direction. We want to do it our way. And it runs in conflict with what God wants us to do. And so the book is dated about 780 to 740 B.C. It's before Christ. And at the time, the, the monarchy of Israel was expanding. And there was this, uh, this neighboring um, uh, city uh, power called Assyria. And it was growing in power. Uh, and Jonah did not want to see them do well. As you were, as you, every time you play basketball, every time you play baseball, you don't want your opponent to do well. You want to destroy them, right? You want to defeat them. You want to conquer them. Jonah, in the same way, does not want to see them have success. And so some of the prophets in the Bible that were during the time of Jonah uh, were Amos and Hosea. And so the location is a city called Nineveh. It's in modern-day Iraq. Uh, you, can go, you can Google that and see all the archaeology that's been done there and to see where it stands today. And, and the purpose of this was really um, to show God's love. Is this a Jonah chapter, chapter 3, um, Lynn? I want to make sure it's chapter uh, Jonah 3. I'll let you know in a second if it's chapter... Yeah, it's not chapter 3. So if we can make sure it's chapter 3, that would be great. Otherwise, um, we can review that. So the theme of Jonah was, was to show that God loves not just the Israelites, but he loves all nations. Amen. And the question is for us, is do we love everyone the way God loves everyone? Do we love people that are unlovable? Do we love the neighbor who goes behind your back? Do we love the neighbor who... Who, who speeds across the back alley and, and, and ignores the speed bumps? Do we love that neighbor? You know, one of the, the messages that Jesus connected with Jonah on two things. Jesus says that just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, and he talks about it as a historical account. He doesn't talk about it as a, as a fairy tale story. He says, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, I'll be in the earth for three days. And he rose again. And then he says another startling statement. Because after Jonah in chapter 3 uh, finally obeys God and preaches to the Ninevites, they actually repent. They actually change. And so God's people were not changing. And so what happens here is that the men of Nineveh, Jesus says, will stand up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it. Because Jesus was talking to religious people who did not want to hear the message, who did not want to believe he is the Son of God. So look in your Bibles at Jonah chapter 4. And so 
if we, if we just take a, a moment here to, to look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, the very end of chapter 3, the very beginning of chapter 4, we will see um, a scripture here. In verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction He had threatened. You know, God always loves when we decide to change our hearts. He loves it. Here's the scripture of the men of Nineveh. If you didn't uh, see that earlier. And uh, they really were a very godless people. Uh, they were a very cruel people. They were uh, really, really destructive. So in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, we'll go ahead and read the account here together. It says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so, uh, so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't feel that way when I have someone I invited to church and they come. I feel pretty excited when someone comes to church with me. When I say, hey, do you want to study the Bible? And they say, yes. I don't have that feeling of, I would rather die than to see this guy become a Christian. <laughs> I don't get that feeling. Do you? Because I certainly don't. But Jonah here is very bitter with God. He says, I knew it. I knew it. Usually we say that when someone does something bad. I knew you wouldn't change, or I knew you'd do that, right? He's mad at God for doing something amazing. That he goes, I knew that you would relent from your calamity if I were to speak to them. I knew you would do it. And Jonah grew bitter at God's decision to spare Nineveh. After God forgave them because they repented, Jonah protested. This cannot be. He still felt that his plans were better than God's plans. Israel's enemies, in Jonah's mind, should never be spared. He hated the Assyrians so much that he wanted to withhold salvation from them. You know, a lot of times we don't talk about that kind of hatred. That's pretty strong. But when we refuse to share our faith, we withhold salvation from others. It may not be in the context of, man, I'm really mad at you, but we withhold it and the results are still the same. Now, Jonah did it under protest, as we see. God wanted, or Jonah wanted to create God in Jonah's image. He wanted God to be like him. We want God sometimes to act like we would act. Deal with that person, God. We want God to punish like we would punish. 
We want to use God as a, as a weapon of war. But God is abounding in love and compassion. You know, Jonah may have been hoping that God's character would be inconsistent. But God is consistent throughout the Bible. He's not like a shifting shadow. Let's talk for a moment about the damage that bitterness does to our souls. You know, when you're bitter, you can actually be comfortable with it. You can actually learn to grow comfortable with having bitter feelings. And the comfort shows itself this way. You say, hello, you're so kind. You're, you're kind of happy. But inside, you have opposite feelings of what's being showed outside. Bitterness. We can grow so comfortable with bitterness. And the Bible says this about bitterness. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Things to note in this scripture. When you're bitter, you miss the grace that God gives you and you don't give it to others. It also says you defile many people. See, bitterness isn't just a self-sin. It only pertains to you. Bitterness defiles. When someone else is bitter, you go, I agree with your perspective. Very intuitive. Very insightful. Because it's the same bitter feelings you have. It also says it causes trouble. Discontented. Angry. You know, our dark side can overtake our good side. If you don't deal with your bitterness, your dark side will reign over you. And we can have very legitimate feelings about how we were wronged. That's the thing about bitterness. Sometimes the wounds are legitimate. That you were treated unrighteously. You were mistreated. You weren't loved. You weren't understood. And we think, well, they know they did wrong, so that's why I'm bitter. Let me point you to Jesus for a moment. Amen. Let me point you for a man who did nothing wrong and was killed. Bitterness does not allow you to change. You miss the grace, you defile many, you cause trouble. Forgiveness is the only escape to bitterness. It's the only escape. You know, a, a little girl was talking to her teacher about, about the fish. The teacher said it was, uh, this is about Jonah and the fish. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a fish to swallow a human because even though they were very large mammals, their throat was, uh, their throat was very small. The little girl stated Jonah was swallowed by a fish. The teacher reiterated, a fish could not swallow a human. It was impossible. The girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The teacher said, what if Jonah's in hell? The little girl then said, then you ask him. <laughs> you know, 
That is where bitterness takes us. We stop believing the Bible. We stop believing what it says. We stop believing that it can really change us. You know, the Bible says in verse 14, just above uh, uh, the, the, the bitterness scripture, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You know, in 1 Peter 2, when Jesus was being killed on the cross, he did not retaliate, but entrusted himself to God. Jesus had every right to be bitter with humankind for mistreating him, misunderstanding him, and killing him. The Christians in the first century had every right to be bitter when the government came down and took their family and put them in the Colosseum and let the wild animals eat them or confiscate their property, or kick them out of the city. But they grew, and they grew, and they grew. You know, relationships are not designed to make you happy. If you want to get married to be happy, I hate to break it to you. (laughs) Most likely you're going to be unhappy. Because the Bible does say, he who seeks marriage seeks trouble. Right? Because God didn't design relationships to make you happy. Your wife's not there to make you happy. Your husband's not there to make you happy. Your wife is there to make you holy. Your husband's there to make you holy. Relationships are designed to make you holy, not happy. That's why people are all messed up. I'm not happy. That's right. You should be holy. Because without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Live at peace. You know what amazes me? When I see older Christians arguing all the time. Live at peace. Make every effort. Humble yourself. In verse 4 of Jonah. But the Lord replied to Jonah, Have you any right to be angry? You know, Jonah failed to accept the nature of God. God is forgiving. God is loving. God is abounding. He loved, Jonah loved that God was merciful to him, but not them. He loved that part. He wanted wanted God to be that part. Let's talk for a moment about getting upset with God. You ever get upset with God? I'll tell you when I get upset with God. When a prayer that I think is pretty awesome is not being answered. It's spiritual. I'm asking him to become a Christian God. That's pretty spiritual. I pray all the time for people to become Christians. But they they have to want to be a Christian. You know, we get so mad. We get so cynical when God doesn't answer our prayers. We think God is not listening. God is not paying attention. God doesn't care. And we get so cynical. And then we pray less and less and less. You know, I prayed for years that someone in my family would become a Christian. I mean, I am a minister. Can you at least listen for a moment? I have something good to say. You would think they'd be like, oh, you're a minister. 
You pay more attention to me than my family ever does. And I've reached out to my brothers, my mom, my dad. I even told my dad, Dad, you're going you're gonna to die soon. We, we got we to have a discussion. Man, my tactics aren't the best, but I'm going, Dad, we got to talk about it. You're, you're in the last chapter here. And you know, I've been a Christian 18 years. So my brother called me the other day, you know, I've been trying to get him to church. He's been, you know, with his girlfriend, living, living with her. And, it, you know, he come, he's been going to church in Orange County. And then he told me, you know what? Me and my girlfriend, we're not, we're not going to live together anymore. Wow. And I've been, I've been praying that God would, hey, if she's going to help me become a Christian, let them get married and do it together. If not, God, can you do a little, you know, do a little, you know, help my brother become a Christian. <laughs> you know how those prayers were like, is she helping? I want, you know, if they're going to do it together, great. And I said, so what are you going to do? He's like, oh, I'm going, to go, I'm going to start going to church a little bit more. And I was so encouraged that God was hearing those prayers for years. And there's a temptation that is God listening. And our temptation is to be mad at God, to be cynical with God. In verse 5, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade, and, and waited to see what would happen to, to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine, so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. You ever been that angry? Kill me, Lord. Finish me off. You get so mad, end me now. You know, Jonah would not feel compassion for a city, but he felt for compassion for a plant. Sometimes animals get treated better than humans in some American families. And I'm not here to preach about that. That's another sermon. But I just want to make that point. That sometimes we take care of things that are not, are not human. I mean, go out of a way to help them and not the human race. We see people in need and their dog gets special dietary food for their stomach. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that humanity needs salvation. Because all dogs go to heaven, right? Amen. Amen. You know, when God destroys the plant that gave Jonah shade, Jonah lashes out. You ever get a blessing and God takes it away? Like, why'd you do that for? Don't you dare. Don't you dare. And our perspective is all messed up. You know, one of the things I like about Jonah in this, in this account is you get to see his relationship with God. It is real. It is vulnerable. It is, it is adversarial at times. It's like, I'd rather die. How could you do this? You have a right to be angry? Yes, I do have a right to be angry. How do you pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, 
Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That will be. And then you're done. You're like, oh, I'm still. Because it doesn't change us. We want to recite a ritual. Or says, let God in our heart. What is going on in there? I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm happy. Do you even tell God what you're feeling? Or do you go to these prayers and then you don't really get to the heart of your hearts and you walk away still unchanged? You still think the same way about God because you won't get real with Him. We'd rather get real with another over a cup of coffee. Well, that person's jerk, and this person's and that, that. And we don't even tell God that. You know, God can handle that. Sometimes I get annoyed at that. I'm like, okay, have you talked to God yet? No, go talk to God first. Because sometimes that's hard to process for a human. God gets it first. And then you get kind of centered. And you say, okay, I'm having trouble, but I know that we can grow. You start talking to people. I, I know this is going to, I can change this. I know I can grow. You know, Jonah was mad that God attacked this harmless plant. Come on. Come on. You know, our view of God can be very distorted when we let bitterness in our heart. We lose sight of the great things that God has done through us and will do through us. And in verse 10, But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You know, what a response from God. He not only says, says, says there's people in there. I don't know why he says there's cattle, but I'm assuming God likes, you know, Labor Day weekend barbecues. And God compares Jonah's feelings for the plant with his own feelings for Nineveh. You know, if Jonah could have compassion for the plants in which he had no investment for, why, not, why cannot God spare Nineveh? You know, self-centeredness makes us irrational. When you're in a relationship and everything is about making you happy, you become irrational. And you lose your ability to have healthy, spiritual, strong relationships. You know, the, the worst times of my marriage is when I'm self-centered. And one of, my, one of my autopilot things is, you know, my mother grew up talking a lot. So I, 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 I started to understand that, and I started to develop this mechanism where I can just turn the volume down. You can be talking, la, 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 I'm like, and I'm like looking at you, and I'm doing something else. And, I'm like, and I start to ignore you. You know, I guess what I brought, guess what I brought into my marriage? When Gary starts talking, at first I was like, well, what do you have to say? Oh, yeah, it's intense. I love it. Talk to me. Let me in your heart. Oh, I want to know you. Oh, yeah, really? First year of marriage, second year of marriage. Yeah, that's, 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 in, that's intense, and that's intense. It's, yeah, that's awesome. Let me talk about Some of your marriage, like, yeah, you, you should get up with the sisters. You should talk to the sisters, really. <laughs> there wasn't this desire to go, well, let me, let me feel. And Karen's like, you don't love me. What happens is I, I, I started turning and tuning down the, the volume. Because I became self-centered. 
when I hear when I didn't hear things that were positive about me, I that's when I that's when it went super low. Whoop. You just turn it down. If you said something very positive about me, I'm like, whoa, say that again. What was that? I want to hear this. Anything negative or I think I had to change, whoop, volume would go. Self-centeredness. Then I became irrational in my defense. What are you talking about? That's not true. Don't say never. I did it yesterday. See, never, never, never works. I had all these great arguments, but really I was just self-centered. It makes us irrational because all we care about is ourselves. What makes us feel better? What God cares about is irrelevant to my feelings. See, a lot of times my feelings are in direct opposition to what God wants. And Jonah makes these decisions about his heart that are not based on the Bible, not based on God's word. And a lot of times as a Christian, we can fall into the trap of, well, this is what my feelings are saying. I'm going to pray about my feelings, and then I'm going to act upon my feelings because I prayed about it. Let me give you the logic. I feel my, my neighbor needs to be murdered. I prayed about my neighbor being murdered. In fact, I'm going to go murder my neighbor. Maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe, I'm gonna, maybe my neighbor is a, a meathead. I'm going to throw a rock at his window. I prayed about that. He would get his attention, and he would repent. So therefore, I'm going to throw a rock at his window. We based our decisions off a feeling we've prayed about. And it directly can be in opposition to God. In Hebrews 4 verse 12 it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God is supposed to check down your feelings. Because yeah. our feelings can get wacky and out of control. Yeah. So the Bible checks it. When I, when I pray about my, throwing a rock at my neighbor's window, I look at the word, live at peace with all men. Well, that's probably not a good idea. God says live at peace. Throwing the rock is in opposition to peace. Um, therefore, my feelings and my prayers are misguided. Amen. And a lot of times as Christians, we make decisions like that. I feel, I pray, I act. Well, your feeling, your praying is going to lead you to rebellion and messed up relationships versus I feel, I pray, I check the word. What does the Bible say? Have you lost sight of that? Because we had to look at the Bible to, to how to figure out how to become a Christian, right? We had to study it intensely. Well, what's different than making your decisions? Is it based on the Bible? Or is it now based on my logic, my feelings? So cute. I think she said, don't say, don't use logic. That's what I thought I heard her say. So here's our challenge as we wrap up the book of Jonah. That you would love God and love what he loves. He wants to see all nations become his followers. But number two, that you would obey the words of God and not live by your feelings. Okay, now, don't become extreme and says, oh, I cannot show any feelings toward you, sweetheart, because I will not be able to my feelings, and I, I do love you, theoretically love you. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Feelings that are embraced by Scripture are awesome. 
Feelings that are not embraced by Scripture need to be repented of. If there's someone in this room today who you know you're bitter with, you got to go to your brother and sister and talk it through and make every effort. Here's what's happened sometimes. Well, you talk, the talk didn't go well, so I'm not talking again. No. The Bible says bring someone else. Have another talk. Because why? Make every effort to live at peace with all men. That's why. Make every effort. The book of Jonah is a great example of what man's relationship with God. How is your relationship with God doing? If you're visiting with us today, I want to encourage you. Study the Bible. Begin to make decisions based on what God says and not so much what our feelings say. If you're, if you're married, don't be self-centered. Look to give. Look to understand. Look to listen after 10, 20 years of marriage. You know, I've been working on listening, and one of the things I've been doing in my marriage is, this is what I hear you saying, Karen. She says something negative, I'm going, like, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. This is what I hear you saying. And she says, yeah. And then everything goes, awesome. Like, that was it? That was it. Simple. Because sometimes what I think she says, I think she's trying to say, it's absolutely true. And a lot of times, just her feelings. And then, then guess what happens? She goes, Gio, this is what I heard you said. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I feel. And guess what happens? We actually start loving each other more deeply. When we're not in love with each other, it's when I'm not listening and understanding what she's in pain about. And so the Bible in Hebrews 4 says, the Bible judges my, my motives, my thoughts, and my attitudes to be humble and make every effort to live at peace with all men. Let's go and make disciples as Bible Talks are about to start next month. Thank you guys. I love you.